I'm Taylor Strecker, and this is Younger Uncovered, a podcast dedicated to all things younger. So last night, the season five premiere rocked our worlds with jaw-dropping revelations in the final moments of the episode. If you haven't watched it, well, first of all, why haven't you watched it yet? But there are some major spoilers ahead, so be warned. Today on the podcast, we are unpacking all of our feelings over what went down in the Younger <laughs> season five premiere, episode 501, Liza 2, and here to take this emotional journey with me is Charles Brooks, you heard him laugh himself. Peter Herman, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining. You're my first. I got a lot of feelings. Okay, I I have a lot of feelings. Okay, so we've been waiting very impatiently for season five. You and me both. Finally upon us. And I kept hearing whispers everywhere. Oh my God, the season, well, the season premiere episode, the end of it, it ends literally like this, like a season finale would end. And I was racking my brain. What could it be? What could it be? What could Mm -hmm, it be? But we're going to, we're going to make you guys wait to get to that point, especially because if you haven't seen it yet, we don't want to just like blow everything up right now. So we're not going to, we're not going to talk about how it ends. We're going to at the end of the podcast. At the end of, okay. Just give people enough time to be like, to listen to us and go, "Uh oh, I don't want to spoil it for myself. Um, But I mean, I'm assuming if you listen to this at this point, you probably should have watched season five premiere. So the season picks up. Right where we uh, were the last season, season four left off mm-hmm. with the voicemail. Okay, yes. so can we talk for a second about this voicemail? Absolutely. What we thought it was going to be at the end of season four, because I've been, you know, deliberating on this for a very long time. I thought you were going to confess, of obviously, your love to Liza. I, so I was shocked when uh, you, di- you did not do that. Were you surprised? I, I sent I sent. Darren, a picture of one of those classic red phone booths. Yes. In in a meadow in Ireland, <laughs> and I said, I think this is where Charles should be calling from with like a big stack of quarters. I agree. So old school. Sitting there, like, <laughs> listen, I'm right around the corner. I love that. Um, I rented a place in Ireland, and so, but yes, that was in fact not. That what was happened. not the case. So, but the case no. was that he was calling about, you know, essentially, well. Yeah. Hello, more and, and, yeah. and, and and some and some things and yep, some issues and, and some uh, some inappropriate behavior on Hello Moore's part and, and a little HRness and all that good stuff. And I think that it, you know, interestingly, I think that in in the at the end of the season, mm-hmm. it's a phone call, it's a voicemail. I think the writers themselves didn't quite know you really what the content of that voicemail was. And so, and in the intervening time, they actually came very very elegantly came up with. What it was. Where, what was your reaction when you found out what the voicemail was? Were you excited? Were you disappointed? I, I am invariably gobsmacked. I think that's the Ooh, right good, good word. I'm bringing it back. Bringing it back. You're bringing it back. Old gobsmacked. School. Gobsmacked by the uh, the uh, the elegance of the writing, the deftness of the writing, uh, how incredibly beautifully topical it is. And now twice we have come back from being away mm-hmm. into this profoundly changed world, right? Yeah. So between three and four, yep. it was the election. And we had the Kellyanne Conway character. Yep. Played with by the, so beautifully played by Kristen Chenoweth. Yeah. Um, and then between four and five uh, came Me Too. Yeah. Uh, and, and hence the name of this episode, Liza Li- 2. Liza 2, exactly. I actually just got that when you said that. <laughs> You okay? You all right? Do you want some coffee? <laughs> Do you want some coffee? Can we get another cup of coffee? 
Wow. Yeah, Liza too. Taylor, Me too. Ladies and gentlemen. All right, here we are. Leading the troops. Everyone's <laughs> Leading like the charge here. Get rid of her. It's early okay. enough on in the season. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, so this you bring me to my second and very important question. We have to talk about the genius of Younger's writers, okay? So they take these relevant, super relevant issues. It's almost like they write the seasons like three days before we watch the episodes, it feels like. That's a, yeah, that's such a good way. I think that's such a good way of saying it. How and, did they I, do it? And it's funny because Darren, we were uh, on a panel with Darren the other day, and he mm-hmm. said, um, how did he phrase it? He said, you know, uh, we get very, we get very lucky in that the – circumstances in the world offer material for the for the show and then we pointed out to him that uh that it takes a a, a really great brain to be able to weave all of that into the mm-hmm. script of a romantic comedy yeah. in a sense. Well, that's not that's not easily done. That was my question was, you know, so it is essentially it's it's a sitcom. It's a it's a it's a romantic comedy. Yes. Yet you guys really tackle important, tough, relevant issues. Yeah. Why do the writers go there? Because it's, it, they have a social responsibility? It's funny. I just read a, a Lindy West, who is uh, a phenomenal brain, a fierce, fierce feminist, and just a great mind, I think, writing right now. She has a book out called, uh, called Shrill, mm-hmm. about a new feminism. And uh, cool. she had uh, wrote an editorial about Roseanne Barr. That was, that's in the Times now. And she actually talked about... Uh, Slight, slight detour here. So. That's okay. We no, like but, detours. That's she, what but, but she, uh, she, it was like the, the editorial was about political correctness and okay. how uh, – and she talked about that one of the weapons that we have against what is happening is culture. That's the weapon that we have. And so I think that – you know, I don't necessarily think that our writers are waging a cultural campaign. They're not uh, engaged in some sort of political war. But I think it is – Fantastic that they can weave in yeah. uh, this narrative that has to be examined from as many sides as possible. And that's so. that's the thing too is the brilliance of the show. So I'm watching a show, right? That's like it makes me like giggle and laugh, and right. that I love the characters and I and right. I want the romance. And then all of a sudden, I find myself thinking about a situation that I've been thinking about for months now right. in a completely different way. And I think that the you know the writers will also say that that they exist and they write in the real world. It's not a it's not a vacuum, and we're, we're and our fans and our viewers, they're all thinking people that exist yeah. in that same world. So I think it only adds to the texture of the show, the depth of the show, to be able to uh, bring that the realness of that world in. And you have a show that is profoundly about female friendship. Yes. And profoundly about uh, female power dynamics yep. in the office. So I think in a sense, looking back on it, I think it would have been such a lost opportunity yeah. not to do something like this at the same time. I wouldn't have a known how to do it, and B um, wouldn't did never thought it would be so well done. They did and, it perfectly. And the incredible thing, and Darren has said this as well, that uh, remarkably, right? It's not a storyline that is grafted onto the show, right? Oh, we should do a Me Too story. Let's bring in this storyline and sort of graft it into the storyline of the show. It's actually the show taking itself itself to task. Yes, because because we've watched Ella Moore. We've be a watched perf. Ella Moore and yes. we as a show in a sense and as a writer's room and as a show in general laughed at what he did. And we dismissed his behavior with all the bullshit excuses yep. that we have used for 
I mean, my God, centuries for years um, to excuse male behavior that he's from a different generation or, oh, he didn't mean it. Old or, man who uh, flirts. Old man, exactly. Yep. Exactly. And all that gets excused. And then the show takes itself to task and says, no. No more. Wow. So it was almost like now that we're really getting into this, it was like the moment having or the show having a self-aware moment. Like we have Very to so. yeah. hold ourselves accountable. Yeah. Well, and, damn. And interestingly, you look at Charles and I think, wow, you know, here's a character who thought that it was OK, who signed off on selling his books with an employee in a fur bikini in Times Square. That Pam Pam costume. Uh, I, Pam, Pam, I'm like, son has to wear that thing again. Uh, right? <laughs> and, so, and so I look at that and I, and, and I think that's a very – we're at a very different time now. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that he as a character would certainly reflect on that and say, no, that's not the way to go. That's not the way to do this. What a difference a year makes. What a difference a year makes. Wow. And, and in the case of Me Too, you know, it, it, because the shift was so – seismic, like what difference three months ended up making. It was unbelievable, Literally. you know. Did the writers have to go back and rewrite that? Do you even know? Or did was, was that like they were just right on, right on target? Um, I actually talked with Darren uh, to hear him talk about it. He, he said that Me Too just made its way into the writer's room. It, was not, it wasn't possible to ignore it in a sense. Yeah, because everybody was reading about it and talking about it every yep. single day on their way into work. It gets, it gets very tricky, but I think that in the way that it plays out in the episode, Perfectly. it works beautifully. It was beautiful. It was really so well done. I was just blown away. Yep. Blown away. Okay, so back tr- backtracking for a second. Yeah. Um, when it comes to the writers, okay, do you, and I know you guys were close together because I talked a lot with the writers when it came to, you know, doing the season and recaps. Yeah. Um, do you ask the writers for hints about like what's to come? Because the there's time. a lot of mystery for like you guys. Every hour on the hour, we're like knocking, <laughs> on, like hi, what's going to happen? What's I gonna heard happen? through a little birdie, Nico, that you yeah. send the writers gifts. Hell yeah. <laughs> Daily. 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 Exchange for information. What kind of gifts? Oh, my God. Don't ask. No. I Listen. I. It's funny because uh, You're funny. Darren, Darren, is not, Darren is not very forthcoming. Mm. Right? And so if he's not very forthcoming, we now have uh, – we kind of have other sources. You have to sort of feel out who's a little more loose-lipped and you just go to those people. Yes. And, and then – And you give them most of the gifts. You give them most of the <laughs> gifts. Exactly. You take them away from Darren and you say, Darren, this is not for you. This is for this person. And and then and then sometimes there are rumors that someone in the cast knows things. And then you go to that person like, what would you find out? And so – and then – and it was after the – it's not, it's not quite so like KGB as I'm making it sound. but. Yeah. Right, <laughs> but 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 they and and sometimes I think uh, you know not, no one's accusing the writers of anything, but in I will say I will use the phrase anyway in their defense. Yes, they sometimes don't want to tell about an arc because it's not entirely fleshed out yet. The decision hasn't been entirely made yet. Right. Um, and so if they so then there will possibly be a disappointment if something doesn't come to pass. Um, but at the end of season one, I asked Darren, it's like, oh, so, so, so what's going to happen? He's like, I have no idea. I haven't yeah. written it yet. I don't right. know. Right. Uh, and so I found that incredibly stressful just by association, the fact that they had to come up with so much new stuff. But invariably, it is fantastic. 
Do you uh, try to sneak peeks at all your gifts before it's time to open them, like on Christmas or like like whatever your birthday, Hanukkah, no. type of things like this? No, you're not a peeker. What are you giving me? <laughs> what have you got? Are you giving me something? I'm giving you a coffee. Fantastic! I love it. It's the most beautiful present. I'm unwrapping it as we speak. It's so beautiful. Okay, so in this episode as well, well we there there's an HR meeting, fabulous HR meeting, oh my God, uh, yeah. where oh my God. Liza has to duck out because Bob. So uh, Liza's daughter's roommate's dad, who yes. is also your best friend slash lawyer. Yes. Whoa. Of course. Um, of, of course, naturally. Um, shows up to, of course, administer all types of HR yeah. uh, tidbits, if you will. Yes. And she ducks out of the meeting because, of course, she doesn't want to be spotted by Bob yes. and have her cover blown. Yes. Um, and she ran out. She goes to the bathroom. And then both you and Diana show up. Mm-hmm. Diana first, then you, uh, to see what's going on. And she blames it on diarrhea. Oh, my God. Can I tell you? When she was running out of the room, I said to myself, as a fan, as an audience member, she should blame it on diarrhea because, because, Peter, that is my go-to excuse for everything. Is it really? So if you run out of here? Explosive diarrhea. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And you really, when we were talking, we were joking about- That's going to be my takeaway. (laughs) (laughs) My takeaway from this podcast. One time I was doing a radio interview and my producer had booked this guy on, a sleep doctor, who we just had on literally three days before. He made a mistake. And I said, well, I'm not interviewing the guy again. I'm not, it, it's stupid. And he said, oh, I, I made a mistake. You had to cover for me. And I said, just tell the guy the show's canceled. And he said, why? And I said, because tell him I have diarrhea. I did. And wow. my producer let, let me take the diarrhea fall. Is that, that's, a, that's a thing. <laughs> that's just a classic now excuse. It's a known thing with my it's, audience. It's a, it's a known thing. It's a known thing. So my, my go-to excuse is always the Rhea. It, the, the, the Rhea, if I hear it, I will take it very personally. <laughs> like, mm, sorry, we're not going to have you on, Peter. She's, you know. She's got the I, diarrhea. I have again. to say that that Sutton Foster, um, <laughs> in, in the, the uh, they're going to put the blooper, they're going to tweet out the blooper reel, the, you know, the, the outtakes. Yes. Which I love so my much. My favorite. Uh, and th- there are only two times when Miriam and I just can't hold it together when she says that word but she did more with that word than than people do with entire scenes and scripts and arias <laughs> she made like like a symphony out of this word it was yes. so impossibly funny i nearly uh, died when she said it and, i nearly and died it was, there was like there was like shame and in from the beginning word to the end of the word you could tell that in the beginning it was like a good decision to say it and by the time she got to the Regret. a she was like oh shit I regret have, you know, pun intended, but <laughs> it was just like oh man you know she shouldn't have said it, and, and it, her face it was her face, away. and yeah, it was it was tough. It was tough. Wait, Peter, I uh, know that you're a laugher. Okay, this is oh, you so are bad. you are. This season wasn't the biggest that bad. culprit. I know, I know. This season <laughs> this season wasn't so bad. This season wasn't wasn't so bad. But there's it's like on the first. <laughs> and I'm starting <laughs> on the like on the first day. I think on the first day or the second day. There's there's and this is in the outtakes too. They got this. I had a scene with Hillary. And we both started laughing, and we just pointed to each other, like, "Don't start, don't, don't start." start. <laughs> because last year we had we had this scene where, that, where the hugger, yeah, the 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 the, the yes, the hugger part, exactly, yeah. exactly, where where we got held up for like between forty five minutes and an hour. <laughs> and I heard the boardroom is a place where a lot of laughter goes down. Yeah, in the in the the, the, the conference room, yeah, which is just this vortex of misery where <laughs> just, you can't shoot there. It's so horrible. It's like you are just you're like church laughing. It's you just it, can't it, stop. You can't stop, and then the. I think it was season two or maybe season one. We were there and the AC was broken. 
Oh. So it was like 700 degrees. It was like Bikram acting. It was horrible. <laughs> and we were all like bathed in sweat and, and, and makeup had to run in and just dab us down. And we were in hysterics. It was horrible. So, but, and fantastic. And you never forget it. So, so how many takes did it take to do the diarrhea scene? 720. <laughs> no, no, it took, no, it took, like, it took a lot of takes. And then the, and then the director kept wanting her to do it differently. No, and I was like, no. dude, you got to stop. But it's like, all right, let's do one more time. And Sutton was like, what are you doing? You're like, did you see Peter? He's about yeah. to crack. And I was, I, I was, yeah, I was beaded with sweat because it was so funny. And yeah, but it was just fantastic. So. Uh, I have to ask you, what are your go-to excuses? I already told you, my, mine and Liza's both diarrhea. I don't make excuses. Oh, oh snippity-snappity oh, over snippity, there. Snippity-snappity. <laughs> but I know what, I, I know what I'm going to use from now on. So. The real. <laughs> okay, so before uh, Charles can tell Liza what's going on with Moore, okay, yes, the yes. whole thing, uh, yeah. she admits her f- true feelings to him at the very beginning of yes. this episode. Yes, So this is a pretty big moment for Liza to, like, really own her emotions towards him. Yes. Okay, so do you think the timing is or isn't right, and are these two destined to be continuous victims of unsynchronized passion, as we learned last season? She said if that was on the cover, if that was written, it would be like in puffy letters, what you just said. It would be like in puffy like cover letters, uh-huh. like Daniel Steele, victims forever. Of, <laughs> victims forever um, of unsynchronized passion. Of unsynchronized passion. Oh, right. But yes, from the Hemingway quote. Yes. Um, so... I think that they are two people who are uh, waiting for each other. Yes. And I think that like life, it takes a while for life to become elegant enough to allow two people to be together. What? Well, um, that was poetry right there. And so, and we all melt <laughs> to the ground. And so, um, <laughs> how long they have to wait for that elegance, and how long they have to uh, wait, and whether they have the patience is remains to be seen. And so, yeah. So I know that uh, in, in interviews, you have said that your wife watches the show with you. Mm-hmm. So, do you think she thinks Charles is right for Liza? Oh, wow. Oh, my God. That's so hard. Um, Do I think that she thinks that Charles is right for Liza? She couldn't love Sutton more. Yes. So I think that – and Sutton was on SVU uh, 100,000 years ago. Which episode? I swear to God, I know every single one by heart. Long long time ago. Um, And so – it's funny because she does the – we always – when we're watching each other's shows and we like something, we just tap each other. We just watch and we just, like we just we just, like tap each other on the leg, tap each other on the arm, and so because we're actors, right, right? We get less involved in story than in performance. Totally. And so it's it it becomes like a very technical watch. Yep. Yep. But I think that I will trust that because she she and I, Mariska and I, want each other's happiness uh-huh. more than anything. So by association, I will say uh-huh. that she perhaps wants Charles's happiness more than anything as well. Oh, nicely so said. So I, I will just simply, <laughs> I will simply, I will simply <laughs> say it that way. Do you think Charles is the right choice for Liza? Yeah. Uh huh. Not yeah. even a I do. hesitation. But but I, but I will tell you this: I I have I have sort of danced around that question before, and I said, you know, I think that different things bring different people bring out different things in different people, and I mm-hmm. think that Liza should be the one. She should be with the person who brings out that in her, which she most, which which she wants to be most alive. In her. Right. Oh, right? I so, so there, so there are things that um, come out in my relationship with my wife that's <laughs> simply alive 
nowhere else with right. nobody else right. and that is an incredible gift right and so i've said you know i think that liza should be with the person with whom she is most alive uh, and i and yet if that is someone other than charles yes <laughs> i will say um oh hell oh, you hell. know <laughs> <laughs> damn oh, shucks. damn um come on and so I, I i very much hope that 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 we arc towards that knowing the show yes. um, and knowing season five, it's like life. It is not uncomplicated. Well, like I said, first of all, very well said. Second of all, so like I said at the beginning of this episode, so all I've been hearing about leading up to this season five premiere is mm. that the end of episode one is like the end of a season finale. It's like it is massive. It is a bomb goes off. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, basically the bomb detonating or exploding, right. if yeah. you will. Yeah. So more is busted by mm -hmm. you, by uh, women for being inappropriate, but instead, yes. in truth Actually, form, but, but, let, but let me say this. Okay. He, he is, he's, he's accused. Not, he's, not, he's, not, he's not busted by me. He, he is, he is um, busted, brought down, uh, exposed through the incredible courage of a group of women. Yeah. And, and I think it is, you know, and you look at the women's movement or you look at the Me Too moment, yep. right? And I think that it's really important to remember that that movement mm -hmm. and the moment is made up of individual acts of incredible courage, Yeah. right? And that's not to say that those who don't speak out are not courageous. Nope. There are many reasons for not speaking out. Absolutely. But I think that it, it's just imperative to say that and to remember that. And when you look at how pervasive... Yes. And how the male-dominated, orchestrated world is so pervasive that, in a sense, it's unquestioned. Yeah. It's like oxygen. It's in the air. It's in our, it is so in the foundation of our culture, dismayingly so. Yes. Even Diana says it. She says, I, right? I, I, I dare them to show me. Or maybe six or seven did show me their members. Right. <laughs> and, and in the face of that, to turn around into that fierce weather and simply to say, I was treated wrong by this man. Yep. Um, is is simply very very brave. So it's not, and and I then participate. You're a vehicle for. I, I'm I, I am, I'm the messenger. Yep. But and, but I, and I am in we, a sense. Women need these male messengers. Yes, no question. I you know and you know I'm the white male at the head of the company who right. then has to make the call. But I, I I think that's important to to say. It's not me. It's that. So how about this? His actions get him busted. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But in true creeper form, right. he wants to point the finger at everybody else. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes absolutely. Yes. yes. And he points one of those fingers directly at Liza. Yeah. And here's when the bomb goes off. Yeah. He tells you the truth about Liza. Yeah. He did some digging and he finds out all about her past, her age, her divorce, her marriage, her child, her everything. Yeah. And now uh, we end episode one of season five with Charles finally knowing the truth about Liza. Yes. I, I, Chills the, the, again. The, the reason that I, I like the way that that scene ends up playing out because his first reaction yes. is like, is Charles's reaction is like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. Right? Because it is, it is such a preposterous proposition that somebody who says they are one thing is not that it just takes a second to compute. Well, and also 
Moore is using very strong language against her character because he doesn't really know Liza that well. Mm-hmm. You guys do. Like when, when, for example, when Hillary finds out, she finds out from Liza's own mouth. It's yes, still yes, shocking. Yes, yes, but yes, this yes. is Moore saying you have a con artist and like a like a yeah, lot yeah. of accusations. Yep. So you're overwhelmed with even his characterization of her. Yes, and and all of those things, in a sense, are or or may be true. Yes. Yes, you don't. And whenever, you know, and Charles has to weigh that against the person he knows and right. is in love with. Right. So what do you think he's thinking in the moment? So at first it's like it's disbelief. But you think, is he furious? Is he sad? Is he relieved? Uh, is he worried? I thought immediate worry because we're talking about HR and we start the episode with you being like, have you ever felt uncomfortable? You're talking about Ella Moore, but then she talks about your relationship. Where is Charles? It, it's it's sort of e all of the above. I, yeah. I don't it's it's not. I don't think that relief figures into it at that moment yet. Uh, I think that it's a little bit the brain on fire because you, he there is so much that he has to process in the moment, and it is betrayal. Mm-hmm. It's fear. It's anger. Uh, it is I need to talk to her to find out whether this is in fact true mm-hmm. uh, and it's like as if right now if I said to you watch right and I unscrewed the side of my face and and pulled my face and I said you know what I'm actually a robot I'd have diarrhea right and then you would go <laughs> and it's have diarrhea right and you would go whoa wait a wait I mean it's and it's even more fierce than that and and but you know if I like if there's a panel and I'd be like look this is my these are the machines and I'm actually operated from somewhere else oh and, my god and then you'd go like oh my god wow okay that's a lot to take in and and then you re-edit every interaction that you've ever had with me it's like oh my god I was dealing with a robot right which I am but <laughs> anyway, you heard it here. Were you surprised how the writers decided to reveal Liza's lie to totally, Charles? Totally, totally, <laughs> and and it's like and 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 um, a surprised and and so delighted by how well it was done. And so B, wow. I was like, wait, what are you doing? Yeah, what, you know, wait, how, what I, was the word you used at the beginning of the podcast? Flabber whoozled? Go, gobsmacked. Gobsmacked. I was and, gobsmacked. And flabberdoozled. <laughs> I was flabberdoozled. I was so flabberdoozled. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, but you. I was gobsmacked. Um, and I was... I was nonplussed, which everybody uses wrong. Wait, and everybody can you give me? I I need a dictionary crazy. definition. Crazy. Everybody says, "Yeah, I went there. I'm sort of nonplussed, right?" Which, which means like I, I was let, what, I, I was sort of let down. No, that's exactly what it doesn't mean. Oh, what does it mean? It means you were amazed. So, say again. Amazed, nonplussed. 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 I was nonplussed. I was nonplussed. Okay, good to but, know. But uh, I'm on this campaign to <laughs> people use it correctly. <laughs> anyway, yes, the detour. We're back on the road. But the but yeah. let, no, but see, this is the coffee. See, you can tell I've had coffee now because I'm off the rails. <laughs> but I think it is so fantastic when writers, in a sense, paint themselves into a corner at the beginning of the season. Like, oh my God, what do you do now? What now? What, and okay, I think it's well, just fantastic. where do we go f- to from here? I know you can't tell me like diarrhea. a lot, but please <laughs> give me something aside from diarrhea. <laughs> I can give that to myself. I can easily. Give that to myself Thank you very easily. much. Oh my God, this is so gross. <laughs> Super gross. It's the Edit that part out. <laughs> so wrong. All right, more coffee. Okay, so where do you go to from here? And I know you can't tell me everything. Well, I'll tell you this. I think that one of the things that the show does very beautifully is, and especially in this season, is simply play out the reality of situations, Ooh. right? So that that the priority isn't let's get this number of jokes per page, let's get this, let's make it super funny, and 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 at the expense of 
actual human relationships. Mm -hmm. Things get super, super real this season. And I think the writers proceed with a tremendous amount of integrity and don't shy away from how incredibly complicated and painful this gets. Damn. It's so good. So. Well, that's it for us. Thank you so much for joining me, Peter. Thank you so much for Seriously. having me. Thank you. Thank Just you. Absolutely fantastic. Thanks. And I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this recap of this amazing season premiere with myself and Peter. I'll be back next week. I'm Taylor Strecker, and this is Younger Uncovered. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.